Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, David Brothers. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. So, this is a David episode of Manga Explaining, <laughs> which means it's going to be different, weird, maybe completely unsuccessful, but I've gotten lucky so far. So, we're going to try again, episode 71. This week's manga is actually completely untranslated. It's a first for the Manga Explaining podcast, but unfortunately not a first for me when it comes to reading manga. Yasuo Otagaki writes and draws the manga Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt, which is published by my secret manga paymasters at Viz Media, mm. which means I didn't want to pick it for the show because I feel like there's like a weird conflict of interest thing there. And, you know, it's the thing that only I care about, I'm pretty sure, but, you know, it is what it is. But luckily, he draws other manga, too. And Moonlight Mile is a follow-up to a previous book that he was working on. I mean, it was a follow-up to the previous volumes of Moonlight Mile, I should say. So, Moonlight Mile is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Yasuo Otagaki. It ran in Shogakan's Big Comic Superior from 2000 till 2011, when it entered a 10-year hiatus, and came back in 2021. There was an anime. It was very briefly localized by, I think, Dark Horse over here in the U.S. No, Funimation did the anime. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm not familiar with the original work. I've got like no strong feelings for it either way. But I liked Otagaki's work in Thunderbolt enough to kind of want to check this out. And then I liked this enough to bring it to the show to see what you all thought about it. Mm. This is maybe my most selfish pick yet. So I had to give this a lot of preamble (laughs) so we can get up and running. (laughs) But something that I've loved doing since I was way younger is reading comics on Saturday morning. Like I'll just get like a big stack of books or, you know, the digital equivalent, a playlist or whatever. Then just spend a couple hours eating breakfast and reading in the sun, you know, kind of before the day gets going. Like this is like an eight in the morning kind of thing. So I'm kind of an early riser. And when I moved to San Francisco in 2007, I lived like a 10 minute walk from Kinokuniya, the Japanese bookstore. Which suddenly meant I went from having access to like a books a million, which has some like cool manga in Georgia, to having just what felt like all of Japanese manga suddenly at my beck and call. Yeah. And a big part of the reason why I think I'm on a show like Manga Explaining is because I spent a lot of paychecks at that bookstore bringing home Japanese <laughs> books. <laughs> and like I don't read Japanese, I'm not that good at it. You know, I can, I have like katakana, hiragana, that kind of thing, but I don't have like dialogue skills necessarily. But I would study the storytelling. I would study the art. There have been books that I read back then that have recently come out here, finally in English. And it's been kind of exciting to see that. So I wanted to do Moonlight Mile because it's kind of not just manga explaining. Like, do we like this book? Is it good? Is it bad? But it's also like, how do we read these books? Like, why do we read these books? And what do we learn as we read them? Mm. Because I feel like all of us have had different routes to becoming manga experts or comic experts or both. And this will be a good chance to kind of talk about it a little bit. So I emailed the gang a list of kind of like prompts and questions. I mentioned that you can use Google Translate to translate the manga if need be. Oh, I should also mention before we get deeper into it, the manga runs on Pixiv, which is a Japanese image board. So it's totally free to read. We'll put a link in the show notes for you to go and check it out and read along with us. And basically, we just sat down and we scrolled through, we looked at the art, and we'll hopefully have some opinions on how Moonlight Mile Season 3 turned out. I want to start with Deb. (laughs) What did you think of Moonlight Mile? 
you know, your preamble kind of reminded me of something that that was also my early introduction to manga. Mm. When I first started reading manga, there wasn't a lot in English. And so I would just kind of fall in love with the visual storytelling. And I would make educated guesses about what the story was actually about. (laughs) And if the visual storytelling was strong, you could figure that out, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if you exactly prompted this, but I did try reading Moonlight Mile. Just, you know, not reading the dialogue, just reading it visually. Mm -hmm. And it works really well. And then I went a second time and I tried, you know, I can read some kanji and some hiragana katakana, so I can read some things like I, I could tell like oh yeah this is this is that skinny boy's father yeah yeah oh that, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> yeah yeah that woman screaming at him that's his mother and oh i guess they're divorced you know those kind of <laughs> things i could figure out right because like the japanese manga i mostly read was shoujo manga which has a oh, lot of yeah. those words right yeah. divorce i hate you <laughs> mm-hmm. dad mom whatever right but um, one thing that struck me as I was reading the first, the three volumes, right, the three chapters, was the change in tone mm. from each chapter. The first chapter, I thought, damn, David did it again. This is really cool. You know, it's like, it seemed like a really neat little Sena in space manga mm-hmm. about this middle-aged guy and then his son. And, you know, they're in the moon somewhere. And to back it up, it's, you can, it basically looks like pencils or mm. roughs. Yeah, and he hasn't filled in like the, the inks and put like you know the backgrounds to make it look like space or like metal <laughs> and all that stuff, right? That makes it like oh, super sci-fi. But there's enough there that you know, like you could say that this, he could show this to an editor or a publisher and say, "Hey, you want to pick this up? If you pick it up, I'll make it pretty." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, at the same time, then he's not exactly killing the future sales, right? Because it's not a finished work. Mm-hmm. But it, there's enough there to hook in a reader, and there's enough there to hook in a potential, you know, publisher. So I think he kind of found a nice way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as like the part where it seemed like the tone changed, <laughs> like the first chapter, I thought, "Ooh, seinen manga, right? Middle-aged yeah. guy, you know, getting back in the saddle again. He's got a hot. He's got a hot girlfriend. Oh, but his <laughs> wife. Oh dear, here she is. <laughs> no, not whatever, right? And then mm-hmm. there's a. There's a rebellion, and there's people, and there's people emerging out of stuff, and like, wow. And then when you get to the next two chapters, it's it turns into a shonen manga. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. the boy has a rivalry with another boy who also has a robot. And then the third chapter is like, oh, the girl, the hot girl girlfriend, she's a pop idol? That was a surprise <laughs> like, <to> me, too. <laughs> I like that twist. So it just kind of like went, it was like, I don't, I don't know where this is going, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the plot is. <laughs> but one thing I will say about this guy's work is I liked his character designs. Yeah. That you, you mm-hmm. could look at each character and you could say, ah, that guy is a little world-weary, but you know he's brave and he's ready to go, and this, the son is idealistic, and the girl, she's, she's curvaceous but loyal. You, know, like you, could, you can make all these assumptions, right? And the guy with the oxygen thing, oh, he's definitely got to be the bad guy, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and none of them look alike, right? I mean, there's not a lot of same face syndrome here. So I, I props to him for that. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sure what's going on here. So you're going to have to fill me in, David, because at a certain point, I got irritated having to turn my head sideways to read the Google <laughs> Translate translation. <laughs> I made it through a lot of this chapter, the first chapter, it's like 75 pages with Google Translate. But eventually, I kind of just 
gave it up and just let the story be a visual thing for me. Because mm. I have enough Japanese to get the sound effects, which actually carries like a lot of the story forward, it turns out. So, but the gist, I believe, is they got to the moon. The grizzled father character is like a, not a daredevil. Someone who like climbs and does extreme sports things. I forget what that's called exactly. Hmm. But he's a guy who seeks, you know, like peak experiences. And so he's gone to space for a peak experience. And there's also a terrorist attack going on at the same time while they're getting ready for their big like excursion on the moon. And oh, is that why they're going? That's why they're in the third chapter. They're in a Humvee, but I thought it was some kind of rescue mission. I couldn't figure. That's my best guess. Like, there's so little urgency with what they're doing, but a lot of like excitement Mm -hmm. that it feels like a Fantastic Four kind of thing. Like, oh, we're going to the Mm -hmm. negative zone. Like, now's the time. We finally made it. Like they're cheering when they're in the Humvee. While, you know, the wild soldiers are trailing them. But he looks so irritated by these these three boys with him. Like, wait. I think that's a dad thing. It's a dad thing. Like, think of going on a trip. (laughs) (laughs) And instead of, like, just your family, it's, like, an entire, you know, military base full of kids and people. I don't know. (laughs) But did you... So you liked it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was... I think if I was a manga editor looking at it, I would think, oh, this is very promising, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'd like to see him develop this story, but I almost—I really wish he he kept it along the tone of that first chapter and developed mm. that. I kind of didn't like the boy, <laughs> you know. Mm. I thought, like, oh no, here, it's lost in space again. Oh, no. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you know the the, yeah. the idealistic chipper boy who like says, "Let's do this. Let's save the world, Dad." Like, oh, no, not again. <laughs> like, I've been here before. <laughs> yeah. Christopher, how about you? Have you been here before? I have. My big takeaway was that even if this was in English, I don't think this is a manga I would like, or mm. at least I would want to read. Yeah. Like, it might if I had to read it for the podcast, which I did, <laughs> that's why we're all here. <laughs> or did I'd you? I'd be like, yeah. This is like, this is, no, no, I actually, I went, so right after you assigned it, I was like, that's crazy. I was super into the idea. <laughs> yeah. So I actually like just, we finished the podcast for that evening, said our goodbyes and I opened it up on Pixiv and I started reading it and I went through like the whole thing, all three chapters, like paging through, obviously not really reading. And I was just like, huh, hmm. so okay. And then I did that another time, sort of like a month later, maybe, maybe three weeks later. And then Mm -hmm. I did it again yesterday and today, trying to take more time, trying to do Google Translate, not just puzzling stuff out with my limited Japanese. And yeah, I just, hmm, this is going to sound way harsher than I actually mean it, but I actually just don't care about it. Like, I don't care. It really, like, you asked some good prompts that we're going to get to a little later in the episode about reading in a different language and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it made me really think about what I like in manga and why I read the stuff that I read. And I think that's really cool. But like the, like there's not one part of anything that I saw that made me go, I got to find out what's happening here. Like literally nothing. And that was weird actually because, yeah. but I also bounce off of manga, like especially seinen manga pretty easily. I find that more and more like I'm more interested in like the 
the kind of seinen you find in afternoon or as opposed to the kind of seinen you're going to find in a shogakukan title or the kind of jose you're going to find in like you know afternoon or like that kind of stuff so like more artsy fartsy weirdo you know shit and so that was really surprising to me i didn't expect that at all i kind of expected to be like kind of on board for it and it really made me like consider why that happened and what I didn't didn't like about it. And even giving it a close read as soon as it was like, I'm not a hostage anymore and I'm here to fight with you. Let's do fight dad. Like Deb was saying in that on like just in the first page, even I was just like, Oh, here we go. And it was wow. not, it's not fair. It's not fair. Cause it could but be done in honest, a really interesting right? way. Yeah. It's it, it, like it, that kind of snap of reaction I think is always kind of fascinating. Cause sometimes a book is just like, no, we're not doing this and yeah. you're stuck. <laughs> no, we we're doing it. <laughs> we're in it and we're going to talk about it. But yeah, I have a lot, I had a lot of, a lot of thinking about this and about, cause this was not the only book that I like read or air quotes read in Japanese over the last month and a half since you, since you recommended it. I've actually yeah. had to for work stuff and for, for Michael's planning extra and stuff, been going through Japanese books and it's like, it's a different experience. And why does certain things work and certain things don't work for me? And I'm happy to dig into it when we get to your excellent question prompts. Awesome. It's Shit. interesting because, sorry, my cat just walked in front of me. Chris hitting the point where he's just like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care. It's just like momentous moment or whatever. I'm like, yeah. well, yeah, of course you wouldn't. Like I, I kind of had the same thing where, it felt like watching a movie, like you're in a theater, you're watching a movie and the movie breaks down every once in a while and the audio cuts out every once in a while. And like things, things are shifting and, and weird. And then you hit like the, <laughs> the point of the movie where everyone's like, finally, we can finally take on whatever and come together and, and do this thing. And be, I'd be like, well, well, no, I don't really, <laughs> I don't have the emotional investment at that point to be like, yes, this is, let's do this. Mm-hmm. So I get that. Like, so the way I approached this was, the first chapter I read in bed on my uh, iPad, shout out Apple, mm-hmm. and I don't have my phone in bed. I keep my phone in another room so I don't get distracted by it. Uh, so I, I couldn't translate it. So I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to read this first one. Just just looking at the pictures. I, I kept flipping back and forth between like, oh, this is really neat. Like, I really like the opening, like mm-hmm. him doing the sit-ups. I, I, li- I like the pacing of, of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the kid coming in, and they clearly knew each other. So I like stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like those bits. And then, like, whenever we get to a scene or a page where the drawings really kind of weren't anything, like there's like one where it's like you know a, a splash page of like a whole city staring at something, mm-hmm. and the city was just like just like mm-hmm. a couple squiggles of heads. Like there's nothing important about that page. Like the idea of a splash page yeah. having mm-hmm. any kind of impact. I'm like, oh, there's no impact here at all because he chose to draw it this way. And it was a while I'd be like, oh, like he he loves drawing the main character and he loves drawing the boy. Mm-hmm. And there's certain vehicles he loves drawing. But then like there was a page where characters were coming in into panel and it looks like wildcats or whatever. And I'm like, oh, there's hints of characters I want to see more realized, but but that aren't. And so there, so stuff like that would pull me out of the story. I'd just be like, oh, like I think you missed this opportunity here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, this is funny. I know what I'm doing right now is is wrong because we record things out of order. But I, I will say we also read Lone Wolf and Cub recently, and I read that after this, and I, I felt like, oh, Lone Wolf and Cub. I probably could have, I would have preferred that one to have no, no English where, because you can kind of 
wow. tell mm. what's happening with 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 those stories, those shorts. Yeah, more so than you can here. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think if there was kind of some more visual interest in this, it would have made an easier non-English read for me. But there, there are parts that really I enjoy the drawings for the most part when he's drawing like the the human figure and, and really getting into it like the gestural quality especially that main character mr beefy mm. <laughs> it, it looked really good like clearly you knew japanese <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't follow really the story so so on the second chapter i was like all right i'm gonna read this on my uh, work computer and uh, i'll use the the phone mm-hmm. And I had the Deb problem where <laughs> I kept having to turn my neck, and my neck's too old and bad to really. And I'm just like, well, this isn't <laughs> this isn't worth it. Like, I'm just getting bits and pieces that are kind of like not really perfectly translated. Yeah. So I uh, so for the and for the final one, I kind of went back and forth between doing that and not doing that. Yeah, I, I could even though I couldn't follow the story, I could definitely see that there was a tone change between the 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 three chapters, which is interesting. Yeah. I just wanted to say, backing up what you said, there is some beautiful art every once in a while in this. Mm -hmm. There's a scene at the sort of last third of chapter one where he's putting on his spacesuit and sort of lifting up his boots. And it's done from like a bird's eye view. And it's like an amazing perspective. He looks so solid in a way that like, it's just saying that doesn't mean anything, but like if you draw, you know how hard it is to make people look like they occupy a three-dimensional space. And that drawing where he's putting on that boot is just like mind-blowingly good. Like it's just like, oh, he really drew the hell out of this. There's some good character stuff as well. I didn't really talk about the art very much, but like this here, I found this one where like the two boys who hate each other have like some good body language sort of leaning towards each other in an adversarial way. Like there's some really good art here right before the dude clunks their heads together in a funny way. (laughs) So I did want to like back that up. Like, I think there is a lot of very interesting art and there's a lot of very unfinished art. And I think that Mm -hmm. that maybe contributed to what I was feeling where it's just sort of like, if this dude can't be bothered to finish these pages, why am I reading them? (laughs) Which was like, again, not fair. Like this is the experiment, right? That he's doing. And I'm not, that's not fair. I'm not meeting him on his terms as an artist, but like, Yeah. yeah, it was a little bit like, I will read this when it gets like at least finished in Japanese, if not translated. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, David, I didn't mean to interrupt. What were you going to say? I was going to possibly make you feel slightly guilty now by explaining why this book looks like this. Yeah, I know all about it. Okay, good. So Otsugaki suffers from tinosinovitis, which is like a drawing, like sickness, basically. It hurts your wrist, it hurts your tendons, and it makes it very painful to do your job. So he changed styles. He has a much more detailed style on the early volumes of Thunderbolt, and then it shifts around volume 13. And this Mm. is closer to the shift, but even more shifted, I guess. Mm. But what caught me about this book, even coming from Thunderbolt, which has very realistic, grounded, like angular metal figures, was the sit-up scene that Chip mentioned. Because this is like exactly what I want out of comic books. Like the way it's like specific motions, there are different drawings each time, Mm -hmm. or most times, I think. The way it's framed, there's something about seeing someone perform an action, like step by step by step, that I find really pleasing in comics. Mm -hmm. So like six pages into this, by the time the sun comes up, I was already like hooked, you know? Like this is going to be my kind of book. And then the dad's face when he sees his son, he's like, oh, like, you know, the kid is here. Like, oh my goodness. So the storytelling was what captured me as much as like the pure drawing talent. 
And I know those aren't necessarily yeah. two different things, but like the combination of the two is very, very powerful in here. Like their hug is just from, it's just like extreme close up. You see their hand, you see the dad's hands wrapped around the boy's back, like clutching him tightly. It's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And so Christopher mentioned, I have questions that are beautiful and glorious in their genius. And we got to a bit of it already. I was really curious what reading in another language would be like for you three, because we all like have different levels of different languages, I think. Like I've got a little bit of Spanish and Japanese and Portuguese. Christopher's always speaking French. <laughs> May we? Do you read French comics as well? We I've had I've had to read a lot more actually lately too. Well, we went to Angoulême. Deb and I were in Angoulême. Mm-hmm. I picked up like a ton of stuff and I've been sort of slowly working my way through it in French. And I've been doing, I'm actually on day 236 of my Duolingo French streak. Mm, so I'm nice. getting pretty good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, it's, it's, and my, I've abandoned Japanese, which is going to be, come back and bite me in the ass at some point. But <laughs> did make me feel dumb reading this too. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just about me, <laughs> not about the book. <laughs> jumped out. <laughs> I like that yeah. you started uh, a manga company and then abandoned learning Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> you know, manga comes in many languages, mm. I've, heard, I've been told. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Do they? Hmm. So a lot of my questions were about storytelling and like comprehension. Like, is the art good? Mm. Can you like intuit what people are talking about or what they're doing? And for the most part, it seems like the answer is yes for all four of us. Like the storytelling yeah. is really clear, I think. Despite like the almost complete lack of backgrounds. No, it's that's short answer. No, short answer. No, I actually disagree. I think that you can, you're getting the gist. You can read body. You can go to another country Mm. and you can get the body language of two people that are speaking to each other in a language that you don't understand. And there are some gestures and some movements and some expressions that are pretty universal, but there are some Mm -hmm. that are culturally specific that you don't necessarily know. And if you don't have the language to sort of explain what the context of the movement and the gesture and the whatever is, you can be lost. And that's just, that's just a thing. That's just how people experience the world. So I actually don't believe that I know what's going on at all in this, even with Google, actually in some, it was even weirder. Like some of the stuff I could read because it was in Katakana. So I'm like lunar base, we revolution. And I'm like, okay, I can get this. But like some of the more complicated kanji or the more subtle stuff. Yeah, man, like, I don't know that I know what's happening in here, but I know that he did communicate something as an artist to me as I Mm -hmm. went through. And that part of it, the like wordless storytelling was really good. And I think you can read, you know, hard air quotes manga that way for sure. You can get the emotional message of stuff if the author's good. (laughs) If the author is not good, it's, it's, (laughs) it's harder. And I feel like I've got a piece of this for sure, but I am convinced that there's a huge piece I don't get. It's funny, the cultural thing, as, a, as an example, reading this, I know just from my own reading that in Japan, doing sit-ups means you miss your son. So, <laughs> Ah, that makes that whole beginning make sense now, actually. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's why that's he's so beast. Yeah, he's constantly missing his son. <laughs> yeah. But when Deb said it goes from a seinen manga to a shonen manga, that's kind of what I mean. I think, Christopher, you're mm. correct in that we don't know what's going on but we do kind of there's still a shared language or like a, a baseline language that we have in common which like is when chip described yeah i would actually say which is comics for us oh okay sure 
when Chip described the bit on page 18 of the first chapter as like a Wildcats moment, like some people jumping out of a mm-hmm. portal, mm-hmm. it's partly because of like the masks the guys are wearing that are just like grifter masks. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like that's our coded language for like here's a bunch of, you know, dangerous dudes, for lack of a better phrase, <laughs> a bunch of Wildcats. <laughs> Wait, so what's the deal with that? Like they're like emerging from these pods? Like they're coming out of like what are they are they clones or I think that the people with the visors are like mintats or like a minority report detecting type of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. They were working. Yeah. They're in there and then all of a sudden they they slump over. And that's when all those people jump mm-hmm. out. Oh. And like figuring this stuff out while I read is part of the fun of comics for me. I guess so. It just seems really strange, right? Because that first chapter is like, from what I could read, it's like there's some kind of revolution or yeah. some kind of coup. And it's like, wait, who was in power before and who took <laughs> over? And wait, what was that for? Like, was, would that make sense if I had read the Moonlit Mile part one and two? I suspect yes. But I don't have enough Japanese to say one way or another. <laughs> Maybe you've watched the 26 episode anime series. Not only is this the Japanese one, but it's in media res too. Like we're literally starting with volume. Yeah, three. yeah. I love, I love that. I love that you did this to us. This is the oh, yeah, the art, the art's kind of unfinished. It's all in Japanese, and here's the middle of the story. <laughs> I will say that I think, like, if you look at the way he draws and the way that he's framed the panels, yeah, like, like he would. This could be an American comic. Oh, it's a lot. There's a lot of American comics. This I agree with you 100. percent Yeah. There's that brings me to another question. Actually, did you all read this as a vertical scroll, kind of scrolling infinitely, or did you kind of scroll to the page and then to the next page? Does that went distinction page at a time. Sense? Page at a time. Yeah. Infinite. Infinite. Oh, did you? Well, I would just hit the page down button or like the right down arrow, and it would just like whatever it gave me next is what I would read. And it's not a perfect page, right? But yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, this is a very vertically oriented, like all the panels are full width and a lot of, uh, most Mm -hmm. of the panels, sorry, are full width. And if there is broken up, it's usually just like a smaller panel or an action, like a moment panel, Mm -hmm. which I think is really fascinating that like he went from making manga that's on the page to making manga that's going to be viewed as a scroll on Pixiv. And it feels like the storytelling is very different and very cinematic Mm -hmm. too. It's very open, but I suspect also easier on the wrist to draw like large figures on like a three panel page versus six. <laughs> yeah. I could see him adapting this story as a webtoon where like the panels are instead of being like butt up next to each other, it just, it would, you know, flow. Yeah, definitely. In time. And it would be easily adaptable to that. In fact, it mm. almost might be better that way because mm. I think one thing I, I a little bit miss about the, you know, like what got, what I liked about the first one is that you got that science fiction <laughs> imaginary world kind of thing <laughs> yeah even though it's you know incomplete right so you think wow when he actually draws in all the people this is gonna be epic yeah. but right now it's just kind of like little little dit dots are like oh that's thousands of people <laughs> mm-hmm. one of my questions was about like the completeness of the manga like does it feel complete does it feel like a work in progress and I think, Deb, from what you're saying, it feels more like a step towards a work in progress. Yeah? To me, it feels like an audition, right? Mm. It feels like something you would present to a, an editor or a comic book company. It's kind of like a script, right? Like a, like a, like a spec script. Say, hey, uh, this yeah. concept I have, you know, and what do you think? What do you think? Can I go forward with it? And, it, and this is purely supposition because I know nothing about this book. 
you start to think, okay, he, he shows off chapter one, then he gets all this feedback, and everyone goes, everyone goes I like the kid. Do more with the kid. <laughs> the girl with the big boobs, more of that, please. You know, like, yeah. like it felt like, like he had this vision in the first one, and then like he gets all this feedback, and it's like, you know what's really popular with the kids now? Da-da-da-da. Oh, you know what you could do here? You could do this. And it just feels like someone gave him some advice and told him to make it more <laughs> commercial. And then he just like took the off ramp and got on the 405, right? You know? Yeah. Sorry, I'm in LA. I'm in LA. <laughs> yeah, you're in LA, all right. Well, in LA for one day and already talking about highways. But this go. is like season three. Like, mm. this isn't like it, he's just starting out. So mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know if it, he would change from chapter to chapter here based on that kind of feedback, especially if he's established enough. But it's between it's ten years, but since volume two, and he also completely changed his drawing style because of his mm-hmm. illness. Yeah. yeah, like if he's reinventing stuff, I could totally see him reinventing this and then going from that first chapter to the, the second chapter and getting that reader feedback or even editorial feedback. Like right now he's serializing on Pixiv. This might be promised to Shogakukan. He might be working with an actual manga editor. We don't know obviously what, what his deal is right now, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's th- like, this is such an unprecedented thing for a mangaka like him to do. And it is, it is happening more and more that the idea that like, he's putting this all up on Pixiv. Like this, this just doesn't happen for a Shogakukan manga author, especially not someone who's coming off of like a giant super popular Gundam series. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like usually it's people, well, let's be honest. It's people who are marginalized by the mainstream manga industry that are doing this kind of work, putting it up on Pixiv. It's the gays and the ladies who draw about the gays. It is the <laughs> like, like absolutely the people doing weirdo alternative comics that aren't necessarily commercial in the same way. And they've all got huge picks of careers or started their own websites or, or things like that for a mainstream mangaka to be like, I'm going to continue my hit series that I put on hold because the company wanted me to do a Gundam book. And it turned out to be the best Gundam book of the last 20 years. <laughs> like I'm going to come back and do it, but I'm going to do it on my own website and my own terms and not, ha- and like whatever, like, Man, anything could be happening with this. Like, I don't think there's anything off the table with how or why this is being made. It is, it is weird to me. Like, that's actually the, the, the thing about this that intrigued me the most is like, why is he doing this? Like, I don't, like the story didn't grab me. So maybe I just grabbed onto the parts that do grab me, which is like the publishing intricacies and weirdness. But yeah, that was super weird to me was like that the fact that this is even available to read for free at all. It's weird to me knowing that he did Gundam before this. Because, because this, really? like, when I was reading this, I'm like, oh, this feels very much like Gundam to me. Mm. I'm like, wow, so this is an interesting choice. So, in the chat, I popped in an Amazon listing for Volume Twelve of Moonlight Mile in Japanese, the, mm-hmm. the original run, and you can see on that cover the main character as the younger guy who looks like a trucker guy. <laughs> Give hair. Yeah. Did you see that transition in, I think it was chapter two, where he shows him as a younger guy with like, like, I don't know, like a mullet and it looks like a trucker hat. Oh, wow. And then it transitions <laughs> to him being older. And so it's like, oh, okay. So this cover art shows that younger character, that younger version yeah. of him. He does it on page 23 of chapter two. Right, right, right. Young version than old version. So I'm only kind of like trying to guess like, okay, so what? happened in that first one is are they treating it like that first version of it ended 10 years ago and Mm -hmm. then now he's saying and then 10 years later here are these same characters (laughs) like like this time the time passed the same amount as it did in 
you know, our reality. And now this guy is 10 years older and he has a kid. And maybe the kid was a baby when he was kidnapped or a hostage. We don't know. Or how did it end? And I, I have no idea. <laughs> but when I saw that cover art, I thought, oh, you know, that's what he's doing, right? It made me really curious. I love it. Yeah, that cover art just sealed it. Oh, no, I was going to say that uh, this book I would never pick up. Like, I, just looking at that <laughs> not even not even a book off for 100 yen. Anyway, Ouch. Yeah. so it's not about this. It's like it's not about this experiment or David's choice. It is like, I actually like, oh, this is not me. This is not for me. Not for me. Interesting. Sorry, David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, Christopher, not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot now. Can you tell me one scene you liked a lot and one scene you didn't like at all? Just out of curiosity. Or one thing you liked a moderate amount, if like the lot is <laughs> too strong. <laughs> I actually liked the opening scene the best, honestly. When, you, when you're getting the moment-to-moment transition and you realize that he's this really driven dude, mm-hmm. the dude, the kid comes in and says, Dad, like, I'm back. I'm not a hostage anymore. And that embrace and whatever. I feel like he had been thinking about that, like how this would start. I can't, I can't back this up, but I feel like he had been thinking about that exact scene for like the 10 years he was working on Gundam. Because you read that, and that is like a perfect like bit of comic storytelling. And then later that chapter with where the like, again, Wildcats, the metal mask face lady is addressing the crowd and saying it's a revolution. And it just, I was just like, oh, I'm so tired. Like I, I just, as soon as I was like, this is already, I don't know what the hell's going on with this. This lady has a metal mask and they're on the moon. Like, what is going on? Then you'd Google translate it and you're like, oh, here we go. Like that was, <laughs> and after that, it was, it was really hard to recapture me. I actually like the splash of, I think it's in chapter two or chapter three of the sort of busty pop star girl that looks like it's drawn from a completely different book. I can't remember. I'll put it in the show notes, but like, like where she's like there and there's like the sound effect in the background and the people are all sort of standing around her. I like that a lot. Yeah, I just, for the most part, it, it it was all like, even the space stuff, which is stuff that I generally like when you think about like, like 2001 Nights or some of the really hard sci-fi that Dark Horse published back in the Planet day. Planeties, Eden. Oh, yeah. Like I said on the, on the McGrew episode, I liked the first volume of Eden, but the rest of it, I, there was like a, there's like a one volume I'm thinking of that I'll put it in and it has this like really beautiful, it's an adaptation of a, of a Western sci-fi book that Dark Horse did. And really beautiful space scenes or like the stuff that like Tezuka was doing with his space stuff. You know, I like that. And this stuff even, it doesn't, even though it's very organic feeling because it's all in pencils and he's drawing it, you know, and it doesn't look like there's a lot of rulers or whatever, it still feels a little antiseptic to me in a way Mm. that like I want, oh, it's like when we, when we read, to bring it back to things that people have actually read who've listened to the podcast (laughs) and or Chip, when when they get to the giant supercomputer in Common Rider and it looks like a Kirby special, like it's yeah. just like a room sized computer with like beeps and boops and knobs and like the two Common Riders are fighting each other, the Common Rider and the other guy are fighting each other. That's the computery spacey shit that I wanted in my manga, and this felt like <laughs> it. It felt like it was all done with models. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's like. I don't know. I didn't like the very first Alien movie. I didn't really like the sci-fi aspects of it. I liked the like horror and human stuff of it. And oh, you know. we're gonna get canceled. Yeah, I know. I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't like the the ship designs or any of that kind of stuff. I liked Aliens and then three and four. I liked the the sci-fi stuff there better. But I like the horror, like this, it just feels like models to me. It doesn't feel. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't have that like oomph. So that's things I liked and didn't like specifically. 
about it. Like anytime there was a shot of like the, a, a spaceship that was like a weird shape or like a space station or whatever, it just, man, it did not land. And yeah, the fact that the bad guy is a literal like supervillain, like the, or the revolutionary <laughs> leader is a literal supervillain was just like, really? Like you're we're, okay. Like this is where we're going with this. It was, it was a bit of a disappointment to me. I like it. Thank you for sharing. I know that it's like awkward to talk about why you don't like things when I just told you how much I like it, but it's. I know, and you've done the same to me, right? and we get along. It's good. Yeah. Chris <laughs> revels in it. Uh, yeah, it's my favorite thing, not liking manga and then going on a podcast to talk about it. It's super, super not triggering. <laughs> yeah. Go on. <laughs> so, speaking of talking about it, no, that was a terrible segue. <laughs> <laughs> We should wrap up and do final thoughts. I think we kind of covered Moonlight Mile pretty well. I think what I would like to know is, like, if you read comics for pleasure or if you used to, like, kind of how would you do it? Like, I get up on Saturdays and do my thing. Like, what mm. would your approach to that be? And then also, would you recommend this book to readers, artists, listeners, no one, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with Deb. Gee, reading for pleasure? I'm a binger. <laughs> okay. Mm. You know? So like if I if I like something I will keep reading and I'll get the whole stack of it or I'll just buy every available and I'll just just dive right into it. Mm-hmm. The only one I couldn't do that with was One Piece because there's mm. too much of it. That took me several months to get through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was rewarding and it was a you know I was glad to finally get in the know about it. But I did that with Demon Slayer. Like Demon Slayer, mm. I found out about the hundred chapter a day limit for Shonen Jump. Because <laughs> I, that's how compulsive I am. <laughs> yeah, I I love doing it. You know, that's kind of partly why I don't watch a lot of the Netflix uh, TV series because I will mm-hmm. be up all night. I will watch yeah. the entire series over two days, and that's it. It's it's a procrastination mechanism. I recognize that. <laughs> but, a lot of people are very productive when they procrastinate, so I get it. <laughs> So I love, I just love the story and like, it's, for me, it's more disruptive for me to read a chapter at a time and then come back a week later and go, okay, where were they at now? Oh, he's still in Wano. Oh, wait, he just punched somebody. Wait, who's winning now? <laughs> and then I have to back up and read the preceding 10 chapters to get up to speed again. Mm, yeah. So that's partly why I'm a binger. Also... As you've already noticed from all my shout-outs, right? that's all I do. I don't watch any <laughs> other type of media. <laughs> read manga, watch anime, or I read the stuff that I don't talk about on the show, which is Korean dramas, which are mm. pure crap. Pure <laughs> dopamine, you know, like pure like escapism and stupidness. And even I'll even watch it with the stupidest female protagonist that you're watching like like, (laughs) you are an idiot why does this hot guy like you all the good stuff (laughs) yeah anyway so mm, but i do like i think like reading this was really fun because it reminded me of how there's a lot of manga out there that isn't in english is it Mm -hmm. is it not even as a fan translation and sometimes it's really rewarding to muddle your way through it yeah, I agree with that. Christopher, how about you? Somebody has to really capture me. It usually be a, a friend will be like, hey, read this. Or or like I'm mostly reading for the podcast now, honestly, or for work. And like I was saying in the intro, I've actually read a couple of other Japanese books since you assigned this for the podcast. 
And the thing that got me to read them, and it's in like an acquisition space, is that I was really captivated by the work. In one case, I knew the author already. And I was like, I want to see what this new work is. Oh my God, this is crazy. Like, So I just <laughs> went and bought it on Bookwalker. Like, And another one I was at on Goulême, and there was a Japanese bookstore in Paris. And we actually went to the Japanese bookstore, Deb and I, and we both walked out with armfuls of stuff. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And you know, I've sort of been slowly paging through stuff that way. And it's like, there's something about a work that I know grabs me and I'll, I want to understand it. I want to invest the time in it. And there's just something about it. And for you, it was the first, you know, just the few, first few pages of the book that mm-hmm. we're reading today. And you were like, I'm on board. This is it. For me, it could be like one drawing, like one like little drawing. There was one where I saw a drawing of a lady sitting on a couch crying, reading a book. And I'm like, I would love to know what, what that story is. That's not where a lot of people are at for their reading, but that's where I was for that one. And then having seen that, I was like, and then starting to read it, every image was that compelling for me. And so you, you do work, you work through, you know, your Japanese, which is garbage, or you work through your French, which is, <laughs> I'm about the level of like grade five now, which is funny. And, you know, like you try and I can talk to my, my niece who's in French immersion. It's funny, but yeah, you try and do these things because you're so captivated by the work that's in front of you. And if you have that if you have the time to invest in it, either because you have to make the time because you have a podcast or you want to license <laughs> the book into another language or that kind of stuff, then yeah, I think you'll fight for the stuff that matters to you and to, to read it. And if you can't get through it, you, you have to kind of, when I was at Viz, my job was weird. I was there for, until from 2017 to 19, basically. So my job was weird. And my job was with worse Japanese than I have even now to try and figure out Japanese books to license and why. And so I would, a lot of it was research, a lot of it was pointing to Google Translate at a book, but a lot of it was feeling, like getting a book and going through it and then being like, what does this evoke in me even without the depth of the story of the language? And it doesn't work for everything. Some things are really story-driven, but some things aren't. <laughs> like Some things are action-driven or adventure-driven or whatever-driven. Some things are license-driven, like the Transformers manga that we worked on I, I found out there was a Transformers manga, and I'm like, why hasn't this been published? That was easy. I didn't even really need to go through it. But then when I did, it was awesome. Like the Transformers manga is awesome. If you're out there, go pick it up. Three volumes from Viz. D- D- David edited it, so he can't say anything because that'll be like weird for him. But yeah, but like there's something about reading comics. There's something about really good about comics that you can sit down and not know a word of what's in the word balloons and still be captivated by the illustrations or the way the illustrations work together, which is what we call visual storytelling or the format or any number of things, the way the characters look on the page, a single drawing of someone crying on a couch. That's what I love about comics is that it can be captivating in so many different ways and you can come to it from so many different angles. But like if it had been Raw Hero and Raw Hero is, we just talked about Raw (laughs) Hero in the episode I did the show notes for today. Yeah, I'd be like, this is just porn. This is just filth. But having read it in English in a in a language I understand, all the humor is there and it's so funny. Like it's so funny. Yeah. And it's filthy porn. But it's also really, <laughs> really good at doing what it does. And so that's what's like that's like my big takeaway is that like I didn't find anything in this that was enough to make me want to work at it as hard as I would have needed to, to get everything I could have out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. You're allowed to not like books. I don't think we gave it a fair shake though, (laughs) in any stretch of the imagination. Like it's never in English. We all kind of owe it to this creator to go and read it for another episode. (laughs) 
Let's pick up Gun the Thunderbolt instead. So yeah, so reading reading for reading for fun is like and reading for work are kind of become the same thing for me, which I don't recommend anybody who's listening, but at the same time, it's just is there anything there that makes you want to invest the energy? Like, and I think I don't know, I'm talking to Chip. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna segue over to you, buddy. Like, man, you don't even have time to read books now that you really want to read. You're so busy. <laughs> like it has to be above and beyond and beyond and beyond and beyond for you to like dig into a book. And the fact that you do it for the podcast, I'm eternally grateful for, but like, yeah, man, like it, there has to be something. And for, for me, it's this podcast or work for you. It's, I think just, just the podcast at this point, <laughs> or your buddy wants a pull quote. Like, yeah. What, what about you? What, are, what makes you want to read a book? Well, first of all, let me just say, I love the fact that you sums things up by saying that to interest David, he needs he needs a couple of pages of a man doing sit ups, but for you, the gentle soul, you need uh, someone crying, crying on the couch. <laughs> yeah, just someone crying. And I'm set. I'm like, I gotta know what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, David wants wrong. a dude doing. Cr- it should be the other way around. You, you should, should want to reach but... people, and I should want to see a big muscular dude doing crunches. Yeah, that's my manga. Massive part. <laughs> then they Chris is like, oh, he's thinking about his son. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the other muscular dude? <laughs> my my brain is fried. Like it it's 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 getting worse and worse and I can feel it getting worse. So my memory is fried, which means I just don't even if I love a first volume of something or even a first issue of something, mm-hmm. I almost never get the second one. And if I do, I'm just like, uh, what happened again? And then I won't get the third one. You know, there are a couple of like, you know, friends put out comics and I'll be like, oh, this is an amazing first issue of this Marvel DC book. Finally, a Marvel DC book that really grabs me. And then I'll I'll pick up issue two and be like, oh, oh, yeah, this book. Oh, yeah. OK. Uh, oh, I'm not following much. OK, well, I'll keep going. And then, you know, I forget about it by volume three. Really, the only books that I have read for pleasure, and I feel like I shout them out every second episode, Where the House Husband, Tokyo Terraraba Girls. And a lot of that is the fact that like, I, 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 I pulled a deb and I binged them. Like As mm. soon as we finished them, I was like, oh, I need more, I need more. And I would finish a volume and I'd buy the next one and I would just read them night after night. As soon as there was a gap, <laughs> then I was like, no, I don't know if I like this volume of way at the house has been as much as soon as i had to wait for a new volume and i got it i was just like eh, yeah i don't know so yeah that's yep. that's kind Love of it. that's kind of where my head is and and yeah I'm, I'm reading i'm reading for work or i'm reading my friend's work usually to give pull quotes but also just to keep up with what my friends are doing i think i think i'm really i wish there were more i mean <laughs> for this podcast especially uh single volume works and then in the yeah. north american market just because that is my speed. I want to. I want a story at the beginning, middle, and an end. I don't want to like it to be continued. And then next year, I pick up a volume of something. <laughs> and not not to go on too much, but like, I think I mentioned this in a really in an early episode. But when I was doing Sex Criminals and we had to do our first uh, collection, I went to the Beguiling to look at uh, covers and and trade design just to figure it out. And uh, Saga was there. I was like, oh, I've heard good things, so I'm gonna I'll go try this just to study it. And I read the first volume on the way home on the subway. And I turned around and I went right back to the beguiling to get, 
the next two volumes. Like that's that's maybe the last time a North American book was just like, oh, I actually, uh-huh. I have to go back and get it because it was like it was like candy. But that being said, have I picked up the last three, four volumes of Saga? Yeah. No, I haven't. Well, it did go on a long hiatus, so yeah, you're, yeah. you're forgiven. <laughs> no, but even 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 before that, because I'm I'm just no, like, I oh know. yeah, no, I have. It's been so long, and like, yeah, yeah, it's hard. David, what about you? What like I, yeah. I put words in your mouth maybe a little bit, but yeah. you did say that this grabbed you almost immediately. And you were already a fan of the creator, and that probably helped. It was less the sit-ups and more the drawings. Like mm, I said on the yeah. show before, I've been like, oh, it's just like a really dope drawing. And like I really yeah. think there's something about looking at good art. And for whatever good might mean for you or for mm. the context at hand, that's I don't like it feels good i don't want to say healing that feels very kind of like you know woo woo kumbaya <laughs> but like, there's just something nice about it like really pleasant about looking at a good drawing like especially if you can see if it's like a analog drawing like you can see the hand of the artist in it mm. or a digital drawing that kind of has the same effect like there's just something really really cool about that and with the sit-ups it was sort of like getting a look right into an artist's head like you were saying he's probably thought about this for the past 11 years like while this series has not been going and that's, I think, why it feels like maybe the most grounded moment in the three chapters we read. Like, it feels like the most realistic, the most heartfelt for me. So all yeah. it takes to get me to read a book like Christopher or Deb, show me a good drawing, and I will just follow it all the way down the line until I get to another good drawing, which has gotten me in trouble for so, so long. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, yeah, it was the drawing that drew me in. I was like, oh, you can see the hand of the artist and also they're kind of doing maybe an Otomo Masamune Shiro thing that I like a lot. Yeah. I think at the end of chapter two or three, there's a shot of like trucks coming out of like an underground garage that might as well be in like volume three of Akira. You know, it's one yeah. of those kind yeah. of shots. Yeah. This yeah. was just up my alley. And with that, I think we have actually run our full time on an untranslated, unfinished <laughs> manga. So I think that <laughs> I'm going to have to try harder to break the show next time. Oh, still, we can't have a manga screen listen to me where we, we bring him on and we say, so what is this story about? Yeah, And he just talks in Japanese, untranslated the whole time. And we have to intuit what he's saying. <laughs> Call Jocelyn. Let's make this happen. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a break and get back to you with a little bit more manga talking. See you in a bit. <laughs> manga talking. <laughs> manga talks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome to Manga Must Reads, brought to you by Comixology. With Comixology Unlimited, you get access to over 6,000 volumes of manga, including new, classic, and undiscovered gems that you can read online anytime, including the manga that we'll be discussing today. And this is a true gem from manga explaining favorite Tsutomo Nihei. This is Knights of Sidonia. It was originally published in 2009. So this is actually... I mean, does that qualify for older work if it's 13 years old now? I think so. Probably. <laughs> so, Knights of Sidonia is set in the far, far, far future. Earth has been destroyed, literally cracked in half. The remains of humanity live on essentially colony ships. And this follows one ship, the Sidonia, which is enormous, basically, you know, like the size of a planet. And it follows Nagate Tanikaze, who is a young man who thinks just him and his grandfather live alone on this giant thing. And then he discovers there's a whole civilization. And also a whole space war that he has to contend with. We discussed Nihei in our second season of Manga Splaining, I believe. We had like a little kind of tour of his bibliography, including the first chapter of Sidonia. So this is a rare Manga Splaining repeat visit. With all that said, you kind of know the gist of it. You kind of know what it's about. The appeal of Sidonia for me, and what I enjoyed rereading this, is still the balance between like heart-stopping space action and really, really mundane, like society, civilization stuff. There are a lot of like space fights, or, but there's as many like awkward encounters in bathhouses or <laughs> like cool drawings of alleyways and things like that. Deb, how did Sidonia hit you this time? What did you think? It's so weird. I remember when I first read this book, it was like, it was so clean and, you know, straightforward black and white. Versus his older work, which is, has a lot of dirty cross hatching. Yeah. <laughs> it's more grimy looking. This seemed much more, I don't know, clean and straightforward, but also fan servicey. Hello. The female <laughs> photosynthesis unit. Uh huh. I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny because it tries to be a lot of things, right? It tries to be Gundam. It tries to be the stuff he loves to draw, which is these creepy gaunas and like this architectural, like futuristic society that is just kind of awe, awe-inspiring. It's a weird book. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I remember when I first read the series, I don't think I got past volume five because I didn't know where it was going. <laughs> but the anime helped. Then I went back and read it. Yeah. The anime, I think, has to have a certain level of clarity compared to the book, which can like be a little more airy, maybe. Mm. Oh God! I just flipped to page one sixty four, where like she's diving and puts her crotch in his face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that happens to me all the time. Yeah, come on, we've all been there. I totally understand what Deb's saying, but I also think that this is really clearly commercial, and this is maybe just the kick that I'm on lately. But it's like, yeah, it seems like he was doing all the dark personal interests like overly intense stuff as he got younger and he's like what if i could make something that got turned into an anime and then i could eat and then knights of sidonia was like a huge success and had toys and animes and spinoffs and things like that and it feels like the fan service is is a lot and not just the the sexy times fan service but showing some giant robots and he still draws the things that he likes to draw the big cities and the weird cityscapes and you know things like that but it feels like anime, like right down to the 
antagonist rival character who's upset that there's a new guy that's coming in that's testing higher than him on the why did that guy have to get the the good robot that kind of stuff you know i yeah i don't know i still haven't watched enough gundam to be like is he just telling his version of a gundam story with the names filed off but it felt like that (laughs) and i don't think that's fair but that's kind of where i ended up after reading this first volume you saying that this is like his attempt at a a purely kind of commercial work kind of jives a bit with what I really like about this, which is that the main character is such a mm. blank slate. Like he, he's, he's not, he doesn't really do much and he's just kind of being pulled around one way or the other. He's not wisecracking. He's not like super driven. Things just kind of just keep happening to him. He keeps falling into places. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm trying to imagine that as being, the 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 creator that like the creator is just like all right i'm along for this ride and then and that's exactly what's happening in the book and that's how the creator is also kind of handling this but but i really i like that about about this book i like the fact that the main character is just like he's just kind of there as all this stuff is happening and he's not like like I said, like wisecracking or even really stressed about any of this stuff. It's everyone else around him that that kind of defines who he is, which I, I, I thought was really interesting. Yeah, he's kind of an enjoyable dope. Yeah. Like, the moment Deb <laughs> mentioned when the a character falls with their crotch in his face, like he's wearing a full-on spacesuit because it's his only casual clothing. <laughs> yeah. And they have to rescue him from the dock. And they're like, that's why you were so heavy. Like wearing this thing. Yeah. Like he's like he's not nothing, but he is very much kind of like a blank right now, very early yeah. on. Like he hasn't really kind of made the connections or formed the the motivations or stakes just yet. Yeah. There is a lot of creepy body horror in this, I feel. Mm-hmm. They introduce Eiko Yamano, a member of the cast, and they have like this big party for her, like she's gonna go out and fight the Gauna. And then the very next cut is basically her being killed and absorbed by a giant monster and turned into a giant monster herself. And I think this is where Nihei is still getting all of his like creepy indie comics stuff in because mm-hmm. all the monster mm-hmm. designs in this are wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like unsettling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's my favorite part of this book. Why was this your favorite part? Oh, no, I love the monsters because it's like it's so organic. Hmm. Mm, you know, it's such an interesting concept, right? I mean, the the, the mecha are very hard edged, very you know clean and uh, right angles, and the the aliens are just like these. I don't know. This it's like a it's like a virus, right? They're just like mm-hmm. infected with like these tentacles, and they just kind of blob all over the place. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't really get into it in this volume, but. Fighting a giant monster that looks like your friend is pretty traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> comes up down the line. You know, no one's too happy about that kind of thing. Chip, what stood out to you as kind of the most enjoyable part? And then we'll get Chris's take and then we'll close out. I think I think the beginning stuff with him discovering this bigger world and like being dragged around, punched accidentally coming across those photosynthesizing girls. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. And he's not even like, like, you know, eyes bulging out or whatever. It's just like, oh, this is the thing that's happening. And oh, I'm getting yelled at. Oh, no. I really liked all that. And it's funny, like, when I said that, you know, I like the fact that he's just kind of this, this weird kind of 
guy that things are just happening to when he hits his rival with his crutch. I really, really liked that scene. I thought it was really well paced <laughs> and, and interesting and, and such a funny moment for it to be like, oh, all right. Now we're starting to get a sense of this guy's boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he immediately gets his arm broken for his trouble, too. Which yep. Is a really good joke. <laughs> yep. Christopher, how about you? What was the highlight? It's funny that Chip mentions that the the way it was bouncing around so much, like you would only get these short segments of things happening and it would sort of leap to the next thing, actually lost me a bit. And it was, but I still found myself really enjoying the lead character and him being that blank slate. I like to think of them as like JRPG protagonists. It's just people who respond to every prompt with three dots because they're supposed to be you. You know, they're trying to create something that's as blank as possible for you to to sort of imagine yourself into, which especially for a mecha anime is perfect. Yeah, I I actually just the world seems really neat. The thing I like best about it is the world. And mm-hmm. I think getting to see little bits of it and getting to learn more about it. I loved the world building in this. And I that's actually why I want to keep reading to see what other interesting things he does. Like he does really interesting stuff with gender and he's doing stuff with post-humanity and he's doing stuff with these robots. And what are these things that are that will make themselves look like us in order to be better weapons. Did we end up creating them? You know, like that kind of stuff, the, the SF stuff is the stuff that I'm most gravitated towards uh, in Nicosidonia. Yeah. Whereas honestly, in previous works of his, like Biomega, it was just the pure style and the ridiculousness of it. Like Biomega, the, the bear with a sniper gun and a dude driving a motorcycle up the side of a building to deflect a meteorite with his wet wick his gun like that kind of stuff i really got into this it's more the ideas the like big big sf ideas versus the big fun on the page comics ideas so yeah really interesting work for that yeah and we talked about him being like stuff keeps happening to him and it makes him sound passive but he doesn't feel like he's just there you know, no. like he feels like he's learning, like we're learning. And he's yeah, he's taking it all in everything going on and being repeatedly knocked off buildings and things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I think my favorite part, there's a drawing page 64 in chapter two is kind of one of the first times you see a human in scale with the, the robots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's such like a cool image, like the robots, like really dirty and gross in a way I wasn't expecting. Like there's got like. I guess not bullet holes, but whatever, you know, space battle, you know, debris, Mm -hmm. weathering. It's really cool and really fun looking. And it kind of gets across the appeal of the book, which are like a lot of cool drawings and like just enough plot to keep me hooked, I feel. Yeah. Hmm. Also, perspective. This guy can draw perspective. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Don't even get me started on that. (laughs) There's so many things where, like, just there's a spread on page 124 of like a city from a distance. He's a master of scale. And, like, mm-hmm. that's really to the benefit of the series. I think with world building Christopher was talking about, a lot of that happens on silent chapter pages where it's just like, here's a picture of the, of the Shadonia. And there's someone sitting and reading or studying or just kind of walking through this corridor. And it gets across so much like attitude or, personality of the ship yeah mm-hmm. good stuff i like that one on 175 that's that's kind of nuts that, that corridor and then there's people in it wow yeah hmm. it's just ludicrous not the usual solution for that scene 
Yeah, he's doing a lot of stuff the hard way, I feel. Yeah, it's really funny. I asked him to draw something for me on a shikishi, like I ask a lot of artists that I interview. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because it's just basically a, a bridge and big walls and a teeny tiny person walking. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, this guy. <laughs> Man, how many artists specialty. when they're given when they're given a like, please draw something for me, they decide, oh, I'm gonna draw a background actually. I'm not gonna draw a character. <laughs> and that's their go-to. That's awesome. I love it. It's so wild. <laughs> oh, it gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Draw <laughs> <laughs> room in perfect perspective at a yeah. convention. <laughs> Knights of Sidonia by Sutomo Nihei is published by Kodansha and is available now on Comixology Unlimited. Go to Amazon.com slash Comixology Unlimited to check out a free preview. If you're new to Comixology Unlimited, get a 30-day free trial when you sign up today. And we are back. Hopefully you enjoyed that segment. And now we're going to do a classic manga explaining bit. The time when we pick books and we pretend like we're forcing Chip to read them, even though he's here completely voluntarily. <laughs> so I am going to abuse my host privileges and go third this time around. Wow. And I think, Deb, I would like to know what you have for Chip. What's next on the list for you? Okay. I'm going to do it again where it's I'm going to give Chip a choice, right? And oh, no. A choice that is mm. a, chip, a choice that is no choice. Famous Deb, chip that, choice. That's cheating. That's cheating. Pick one. Pick one. Do Don't do one. this. Don't do this. It'll be the go first. with okay, your gut. I'll just give it. Go with okay, your gut. I'll go with it. He just said he wants a standalone volume. Let that guide you. <laughs> I'm picking one. It's Paradise Kiss. It's five <laughs> volumes in one, and it's a thousand uh, pages. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh oh. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna pick something that is something that I recommend to a lot of people who are new to manga, and something that I recommend to people who are looking for manga for all kinds of readers. And because sometimes Chip in the background has a little special guest. So I figure it's time to, to introduce you to the wonderful world of cat manga. Oh, oh here we go. Oh, <laughs> baby. <Yes. laughs> <laughs> so my favorite cat manga is right now is Cheese Sweet Home. Yay. Cheese Sweet Home is about, it's basically published in a seinen manga magazine, but you wouldn't know it because it's actually very sweet for, it's, nice for all ages. It's about a little kitten who gets lost, separated from his mom and siblings, and gets adopted by a young family who has a mother a mother and father and a five-year-old son. And they adopt Cheat, the little cat, and they take it home to their apartment. But the problem is their apartment doesn't allow cats. <gasps> so now this sounds very simple, but actually it's a very interesting manga in that like I said, it's for an adult. It was originally published in an adult seinen magazine. So there's kind of like these little bits about, does Chi really know he's a cat? Mm. Does Chi mm. think he's human? Does Chi understand what it means to be a cat? And also it's got this really wonderful full-color artwork. It's very charming. Mm. If you have a cat, you will recognize, like, oh, yeah, that's a very cat thing. <laughs> All right. Cool. I like it. Chi, sweet home. Christopher, do you remember the pitch you gave for Cheese Sweet Home on one of the best and worst manga panels? Like yes, I do. I was actually wondering if I should say it now <laughs> or wait. Please until... do. Well, I well I actually that's it was for the show. 
Let's yeah, let's hear it for the show. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe Bridget will listen to it because she was she looked at me with incredulity on that panel actually after <laughs> I said it, so it was good. Yeah, I guess since I'm talking anyway, I shouted at a book a couple weeks ago that I had just gotten a copy of, and I've still only read three chapters out of the whole book, so I think I have to pick it as a manga explaining pick where I might never read it. The book is called Our Colors by Gengoro Tagame, and unlike his story in the massive anthology we read, which was about some pretty dark stuff in a POW camp during the Second World War. This is about a boy coming to terms with his closeted homosexuality and learning how to be, you know, in the world and dealing with the people around him and the social pressures of being closeted and gay in Japan. First three chapters are great. I just want an excuse to read it. It's a done in one book. It is a thicker book. It's more of a graphic novel, as the kids say, as, as opposed to a, a series or a, a manga. But How many pages, uh, Chris? Six hundo. <laughs> six hundo, buddy. It's three volumes from Japan. Maybe maybe 550, actually. But How do you sorry, find buddy. these books? They send them to me. <laughs> that one, actually, this one is fully sponsored by Pantheon, apparently. They sent me a copy and we're like, we thought you would like this. And it's like, all right, put it on manga explaining. So here we go. There you go, publishers. Just start sending me the comps like you send them to Deb and <laughs> we'll put them on the air. No shame here. No shame. But it's it's really good so far. And I'm really, really liking it. And Tagame is such a amazing creator that anything we could do to get more Tagame into the world and onto the podcast. And hopefully this one sells well enough that we could keep getting more books. So yeah, that's my pick this week. Our Colors by Gengaro Tagame, published by Pantheon. All right. Cool. And I wanted to go third because I wanted to possibly counterpick. I had two options. And what I think you guys in two picks. Yeah. <laughs> I read a lot of manga, Chris. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> yeah, fair. Fair. You both read a lot of manga. You got lots of things to choose. I got sent one book in one month and it's like, that's the pick. That's the one. <laughs> but sorry. This one, yeah. how to describe it. We've talked about the creator of the book off and on about how they're really great at storytelling, how they're really creative, amazing approach to like superheroes and things like that. So I'm going to recommend Mob Cycle 100 Volume 1, which is oh, by wow. Oini, this writer and artist. He is a writer who's drawing his own comic, let's say. <laughs> Do we know anything about that? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not necessarily what you would expect from a manga artist. It's very much like, oh, I taught myself to draw and here's my book. But the storytelling, like, he's really got chops. And the book is about a young guy. His name is, they call him Mob, as in like a mob character in an RPG, sort of like a rando. I guess would be a good English. Is that what that means? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like an NPC. The NPC yeah, like is an what NPC. the cool kids say these days, according to the TikTok. <laughs> We're on TikTok, by the way, Manga Splaining. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't make me dance, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but so this young boy has amazing psychic powers, like post-Akira levels, but he's so kind of anxious and reserved that they don't really come out to play except as like telekinesis. Until he freaks out when his meter hits 100, and then he has a full-on meltdown. All right. And this is a comedy manga about his part-time job with a guy named Reagan, who is a sham psychic. So Mob has real powers. His boss does not have powers <laughs> and takes advantage of him to bust ghosts and things like that. It goes off from there. There's a lot of stuff going on in the book, but it is pure comedy, I would say. There's like a lot of like drama, but the goal is to make you laugh, I feel. And so I thought it would be a nice change from the usual serious seinen drama stuff we talk about on Manga's Planning. And a rare Dark Horse pick, too. Yeah, it's a Dark Horse pick. It's 
literally and figuratively a dark horse pick. <laughs> As a sorry, is this a single volume or is it a no? It's no. an ongoing series, but we just need volume one. Okay. All right. Well, it's not that tough a choice for me because Cheese Sweet Home, Deb clearly understands me and has picked up on the clues in my background of my cat. Cat manga, I'm in. <laughs> Second pick is going to go for uh, David's Mob Cycle 100 because the sham psychic boss. Uh, is also a, a favorite thing of mine. I also like the fact that he went from recommending a manga where the guy barely draws to a manga where the guy doesn't know how to draw. <laughs> I told you I'm going to break this podcast if it kills me. I know. <laughs> and, uh, Chris, you're third, but that doesn't mean I don't want to read the book because I do. Uh, so our colors is third. What put you in third place is the fact that you basically said you read three volumes and you... Or three chapters. Three chapters and couldn't finish it and you needed this podcast as an excuse to finish it. So that's not that's not <laughs> a way what to... What can I say? That's not a way to sell a book, frankly. Gotcha. You're right. <laughs> so you're number three. <laughs> so that goes Cheese Sweet Home, Mob Cycle 100, and then Our Colors. Yep. You couldn't get three more different books. Perfect. We are doing this on the show, too. Like, we need to go through our list of 75 picks now (laughs) and find the weirdest trio. (laughs) Yeah. The most inappropriate trio. I think it's the three witch books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you you didn't even know you were doing it. You just picked them in order, and it turned out to be back to back to back witch books. So that's going to be a weird month. September, folks, get ready. (laughs) The spooky month of September. So does anyone have any shout outs before we make our break? My shout out is to my favorite television show, House Hunters International. I am at my brother's <laughs> house right now, and he has House Hunters International on on demand. So I'm just going to spend my Canada Day weekend watching House Hunters International. I hear there's other good TV, <laughs> but I'm going to watch it. We're here for House Hunters International. So shout out to, nice. the, shout out to them. They're on season 156. <laughs> Deb, how about you? As usual, it's always the last manga I happened to read before we had our, we had a conversation. Yeah. So it's One Dance by Coffee. It's ah. a new Kodansha series. It's about a, a shy boy who shy tall boy who stutters, and he meets a girl who's into hip hop dancing. So he starts getting into dance, and he, he's kind of a natural, but he's also kind of awkward at it. Mm-hmm. What's really fun about it is that the art is quite good. They actually refer to real songs like American artists that you can actually listen along to. And it gives you like these little tips on how to dance. Yeah, that's awesome. And the art is very kinetic and interesting. I, I only bought it Tuesday. <laughs> Today's <laughs> Thursday. So I've been chatting it up. I've only read one volume, but I thought, you know, let's give a new book a shout out. Nice. Chip, how about you? I haven't been consuming anything, but the other night, my wife, who's been watching the new Star Trek show, Strange New Worlds, which uh, is apparently very episodic. She was like, oh, yeah, I, I like the show. You should watch one with me. I'm like, sure. And so I watched one with her. And it was the horniest Star Trek episode I've ever watched, uh, which, was, <laughs> <laughs> which was, was just amazing. And like, I think it was just like, it was like an anomaly. But like halfway through, I'm like, are you trying to like, are you trying to sleep with me, first of all, by showing me this <laughs> sexy Star Trek show? A spoiler, she wasn't. But <laughs> I think I just embarrassed her by constantly pointing out how horny it was, which brought me a lot of joy. So there's there's an episode where Spock's fiance wants them to read 20th century North American erotica to get in the mood. Oh, So man. there you go. Like, find that episode and watch it. It was a fun one. 
<laughs> like fanfic or like no no they would book? they would like you know the thing they do in star trek where they they'll be like oh so i've been uh reading up on earth earth erotic tomes uh, and then they list like three well-known ones from like the 20th century and then like one made up one from the our future <laughs> yeah it was like that yeah <laughs> but yeah okay that's me amazing <laughs> <laughs> my shout out did i shout out barry last week you did yeah all right well i finished barry season three oh. and that is also my shout out this week too yeah i'm devastated so good so good more tv like that like it's exactly what i want out of tv yeah 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 i don't even want to say how or why but it was just like every like subplot was well thought through all the action scenes were on point it just came together really well, like a super tight eight, eight episodes. Well, nice. okay, so my, my, my actual shout out then is for you to just like start looking at videos where they talk through, like Bill Hader talks through the decisions they made in season three. And like, oh. like there's one, oh. I think, I think HBO actually put it out where it's like, it's like a 10 minute kind of behind the scenes of like the freeway chase and how oh, they yeah, planned it that. out <laughs> and how they like wow. orchestrated it. It's so well done. Yeah. The, the the moment Bill Hader decides to write and direct a movie, it's going to win an Academy Award, hundred percent. Wow, so big claim, big claim. So good, yeah. I put money on it. Well, cool. That has been manga explaining. <laughs> <laughs> we got to start a Barry podcast or an HBO something. We've already got the <laughs> Mash HBO podcast. I'm still saying Mash explaining. I'm still yeah. saying Mash explaining. <laughs> yeah, and you know how that will work, right? It'll be you guys are all experts on the HBO shows, and I'm the newbie, right? Going like, oh, wait, easy. why is this happening now? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You get Perry Mason in there. <laughs> but so this has been Maga Splaining. We talked about Moonlight Mile by Yasuo Otagaki. We had a good conversation about how we read comics. And now we're going to take a break, get some sleep, and see you next week. Catch you later. This has been Manga Explaining, episode number 71, featuring Moonlight Mile. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Witch Hat Atelier. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com and check out our newsletter and digital publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.